right. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Natural Beauty Spa. To see our podcast and other USL podcasts and articles, be sure to check out their website at bgn.fm. You can also check out this podcast on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcasts. Now, for those that are listening through the podcast audio or Instagram Live, we do go, we do try to go live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash down in the valley. However, due to this whole uh, unforeseen break due to COVID-19, we're, we do try to go live every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. And every other, uh, and then on the fall, the weeks that we don't go live, usually on Thursdays, we'll try to upload an, an interview with anybody related to RGVFC, whether it's a player, a member of the front office, you name it, right? But somebody, but get to know, get to know them more a little bit. And that's some of the plans that we're trying to do while we are in this break. Um, however... Uh, be sure to also don't forget check out if you haven't seen Robert Coronado's interview uh, that we can that I conducted uh, last week. Uh, be sure to check it out. It's be sure to check out in all of the podcasts and it's also the archive, uh, which is our previous episode, episode episode eleven. That's that is the full blown uh, interview with uh, Robert Coronado, RGVFC defender. Uh, however, this week, like I said, we are going we are going live. And uh, to help us out, to talk all about the latest news that, ha that have been happening. And, of course, there is one topic that I do want to kind of touch up upon that is kind of pending after last week. But uh, I'll touch upon it at the very end, at the very end of the show. Um, but in order to talk about all the latest news, including the potential return of the USL Championship for 2020, uh, we have uh, uh, our good friend of the podcast. We've got... Uh, Ray Silva of South Texas Boulder Sports. Ray, how's it, how's it been going, man? Hey, good evening, Edson, and everyone tuning in uh, to this podcast. Uh, thanks so much for having me once again. Of course, you know, the pleasure is mine. You know, the, the door is, uh, is always open uh, for, you, for you to come in. Uh, I'm actually, like I said, I'm pretty ecstatic uh, to, to talk about these uh, couple of issues uh, or, or bits of news. I, I do know with your, with your background with minor league sports, uh, it's a really, really interesting topic to kind of get uh, your point of view on uh, everything that's going on uh, with, with a potential return uh, in the USL. Also, there, uh, there have been some updates in regards to the USLPA that, that Ray will be uh, mentioning as well. We are also going to be talking about uh, today about Golden Grape Entertainment's, uh, I was going to say interview, but survey that they posted out, and we talked about it uh, two weeks ago in episode number 10. We talked about that interview that they sent out to Toros fans. Well, the last, uh, I believe, what was it, like three or four days ago, they, mm -hmm. or they released uh, the results uh, of that interview, of all the answers, all the data that they compiled uh, from that survey. Uh, we'll be discussing those uh, today as well. Uh, Jacob will probably be coming in a little bit late, but he will be on the show uh, as well this week. Uh, yesterday, he was uh, a guest with the with our friends at the uh, Orange and Black Soccer Cast uh, with uh, with Ray Samora. 
they, I just do, I do want to give them a huge shout out, our fellow uh, BGN podcast, because they, yesterday was their two year anniversary, uh, a special special show. So want to give them a huge congratulations uh, for reaching two, uh, two years, and hopefully it's the more uh, uh, man, man, many more to come in them covering uh, our uh, Orange Orange County SE, um, but. Let's go ahead and start because time is of the essence. So like I mentioned, um, so the USL actually made a, an announcement uh, last week. Basically, what they're saying is that they have an expected return date. It hasn't been confirmed. Well, like it's not 100% like that it's going to happen on the 11th of July. But that's a potential return day. There's so many factors. There's so many factors uh, involved. Uh, if that if that were to happen, I do believe that pretty much they did vote on the model on, on how they're going to be playing this match. Uh, but Ray can give us a little bit more on the uh, uh, on the details. Well, you see, July 11th is just a soft target. I think one of the biggest factors that we're missing out on is the USLPA's okay and green light. That's something that I have been um, uh, harping on every time I see a local news. Um, that's just something that I just want to harp upon. I think the USLPA uh, needs to get the their act together on this. Yes, there's been a counter proposal uh, from the last show to this show where it's and the first 1750 that they make, the first $1,750 that they make goes untouched. Any amount prior to that gets gets touched to like a 30% or 35%. So there's that to look into. But uh, as far, there's going to be Depending on where you play, there's going to be a limited capacity. Texas being one of the first states to open up for play, uh, at, at least 50% capacity. That number is going to be lower, I could imagine, down here in the valley. That's just something that I foresee happening. So that's just something that uh, I just... Uh, Hope that happens. I mean, yes, it gives a different color to the game, but um, I I mean, it's just one of those things like they'll just have to play it by ear. And I think the, big, the, the biggest concern uh, here definitely has to be um, local, the local authorities. Uh, basically, the fact that uh, not every, not every state not every local municipality is uh, open uh, in regards of being allowing uh, outdoor events, uh, allowing people to to come and go, even if it's at a reduced um, at a reduced capacity. For example, we know with Texas, there was recently an announcement by uh, the office of the governorship uh, under Governor Greg Abbott. Um, that soccer stadiums or sports stadiums in general, just to kind of be specific on the topic, um, are allowed to be open at a 50% capacity. 
so there, there is that whole thing as well. However, there are other municipalities where they are still under a strict um, uh, quarantine or they actually are not allowing at this moment uh, outdoor activities of more than, let's say, 100 people uh, to be able to be uh, conducted. So, I mean, there's still a month from tomorrow. It'll be a month uh, to see where things will be headed uh, as far as other municipalities. But like you mentioned, this leads me to believe that more than likely we are going to be seeing uh, more municipalities or, 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 or excuse me, not municipalities. Kind of uh, tweak the chip right there. We're gonna we're gonna see the USL the decide. Hey, you know what? We're gonna have to go with uh, under a closed uh, a, a closed environment uh, with uh, if we do go back uh, to playing mostly. And I know that uh, Jake Edwards did mention this uh, to the Athletic. I was just reading the article right now. Uh, he mentioned that they don't want to give an unfair advantage to teams uh, that will be allowed to have fans inside of their stadiums. Yeah, and that's something that, I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't mind seeing because it's just something that kind of gives a, um, it gives a little bit of an edge for the home side, especially down here in the Valley. Um, I would like, I would like for everyone to be play, uh, to be playing on, under closed doors with media allowed, you know, to cover the games. And it's just something that if, if it happens, it, it happens, you know, and, and we'll just uh, get back to our normal uh, sports life once again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like, like, to me, I, I honestly feel like, yes, I do want soccer to get back, but we're seeing so many places around the country where the, amount of cases is still rising. I mean, just here in, just here in the Valley, we're starting to see a spike uh, of uh, confirmed cases uh, and, of course, uh, fatalities. Also, Houston, San Antonio, I mean, Texas in general, we're still, we're still seeing a spike. Like, I feel like... Um, we opened I, up too soon. <laughs> yes. I, I honestly, like, honestly, I, I feel like even if, even at 50%, you're talking about Let's assume that a stadium like RGVFCs, like HV Park, is usually full to its uh, it's usually at its full capacity. Obviously, it's not, but that's a completely different issue, right? But let's assume, for uh, vision uh, in a visual perspective, that HV Park is usually full, all ninety seven hundred or so mm -hmm. people are week in and week out at the stadium, right? So Greg Abbott says, okay, 50%, right? A 50% uh, uh, capacity is, is allowed for uh, outdoor, outdoor sports venues. If you go by seats, I mean, you're talking about you got, you're in pretty much in close proximity still with each other. You know, now, are you going to be doing uh, tests to everybody? As they come in, are you going to be taking their temperatures? 
are you going to be handing out, you know, face mask or, or, or whatever, right? You know, we know there's many people that have come up positive with, with COVID-19 that are asymptomatic, right? So they're pro there's probably people going around maybe without a mask or anything because they feel like, hey, they, I feel fine. I don't think I have COVID, right? And you're going up to, a, to an outdoor venue uh, where people are going to be, you know, relatively close to each other. And the risk of contain, uh, what's the term? Cont the risk to, uh, to, to get it's somebody pretty. infected, yes, the, 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 is, is relatively still high. Especially when we got we, when the 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 cases are still rising, I don't I don't I I honestly don't think that it's a good idea right off the bat. And we'll get more into those kind of uh, those kind of responses when we talk about the the survey. And ju just to uh, finish this topic off, I mean. It, it would be nice to see some uh, some local sports come back officially. Um, then now that now that they have like the green light to do a little bit more work, it's just now uh, time to play the waiting game hmm. and see what happens. So another piece of, piece of news that came out. Uh, so the UIL, UIL the USL finalized this is coming from jeff uh jeff Ruder, right so the usl has finalized a 5.5 million relief package which will be spread across the the 47 clubs within the championship and league one and he says the major sources of revenue uh for the league include expansion fees annual dues and the espn broadcast deal so you're talking about a, i think the somebody made the calculations and said about one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. Uh, will be destined uh, to each individual team in championship and uh, and League One as a relief package uh, due to the due to this uh, COVID nineteen. So honestly, I I do like I do like that idea. I know for uh, when we talked about it uh, in ch in episode ten, uh, the USL had refused to uh, do a economic stimulus per se. To its uh, clubs and its members, when we were talking about we were talking about pay, right? You know, for the mm -hmm. players, and they had re and and one of the things that the USLPA mentioned, hey, well, give us a relief or some sort of help for the for the clubs to kind of help them stay afloat, and the USL uh, said no. But now it appears that the USL, according to Jeff Ruder, is coming up with that help. I mean, I think that's a great idea because. I'll, I'll just use one team for example, Miami Fort uh, Fort Lauderdale. They only had ten players signed. Um, they barely had their full technical staff with uh, fifty-five, you know, with close to opening kickoff for them, and then to get this kind of money, as someone uh, as one of the Twitter followers. Uh, replied the American soccer dream for Miami Fort Lauderdale. So they kind of got lucky on that end without having played a game officially and them getting that type of help. Mm -hmm. 
So now we've got joining us uh, our co-host, Jacob Young. Jacob, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's it's going all right for sure. Yeah, a little stressful, but other than that, yeah, I'm ready to talk soccer finally, and hopefully this is going to be a great show. So July 11th, do you think it's going to happen or do you think it's not going to happen? I mean, the problem is right now, I know, well, they've got less than a month, just about, well, actually, I take the back, a month to decide on what the heck they're going to do because from what I'm hearing from just people, it's basically, you know, locker room talk right now, but it's just basically people saying, yeah, most likely you're going to do it this simple way as in, well, you're going to have to travel. It's going to be divisions basically. And Hmm. most likely what I've said before and now really thinking about it, yeah, we're not going to go over and play El Paso. We're probably going to have to play the, well, we're going to have to play. The more central ones? Yes. San Antonio, Austin, the two Oklahoma uh, teams, and, and then the two Missouri teams as well. And that it's mm-hmm. going to be close to about eight, if I had to guess. Yeah. So, you know, going, I, I going along. Yeah, go ahead. Jacob, good evening to you, and uh, and uh, hope everything's well with you. But uh, I I will kind of have to counter that. I think if there is going to be any type of structure, yes, divisional play would be included. But I would have to say you have your four Texas teams, your two Oklahomas, and your two uh, Missouri teams mm-hmm. join in one in one division. But then you would have to put all the other teams in a separate division, like your California teams, your Washington, your your Portland, yeah. your Utah, your Phoenix, and New Mexico. In fact, I would even stretch it as far as getting in New Mexico into the pod of Texas teams, Missouri, and Oklahoma. I would stretch it out to as far west as New Mexico. Remember, you're traveling only on a bus. They don't want anybody to take the plane. That's the problem of why I also now have thought of, well, how that, long? Well, that's why That's why you, you have, like, uh, pairs, you know? You, yeah, it, it's a 17-hour drive from here to... New Mexico. That's not including, of course, here to El Paso, which that's about twelve. Twelve hours. So, so you would just add on four uh, four hours from El Paso to New Mexico. So maybe that's a possibility. Now that I think about it, yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from. I mean, you would play New Mexico. uh, You would play El Paso on a Saturday, New Mexico on a Wednesday. And then have a break, you know, like someone would have to take like a break off because you have nine teams. One of them has to get the off one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, we do have to remember that the rumor is that uh, player or teams are going to be playing 16 matches, eight home, eight away. Ooh, that's a rumor. That's a rumor, though, that I've seen around uh, the Twitterverse. I mean, hey, divisional play I, I like. Don't get me wrong. So you're pro- we're probably thinking of 
if divisional we, play, uh, I, look, I'm, I'm going to call my shot right now. We're going to have divisional play, and yes, we're going to come through on July the 11th, and our opening game would be against San Antonio. No, 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 no. I'm going to go ahead and say Tulsa. Home. You, Tulsa at home. Yes. Oof. We get to see Kevin Garcia back. Eric Bird. And Eric Bird. Um, so, uh, okay. So going along with that, uh, the athletic does mention, he says, um, while last week's votes approved plans to play in clubs, individual markets, which means no hub model model, like in NWSL or, uh, MLS, mostly because they were mentioning, uh, here in the same article, they're saying that a lot of our, a lot of these, uh, clubs, don't have the the infrastructure not only as far as the stadium but also the cities uh, in and of itself uh, in order to house all these different uh, teams not only not only for the championship but also for uh, for League One. Uh, it mentions uh, whether it was due to venue constrictions or the difficulties of pulling thirty five teams into one area. A hub model simply wasn't going to work. It says that the additional cost associated with travel. And extended lodging would be prohibitive for lower division clubs. Plus, there would be limited opportunity for additional revenues via sponsors and potential fans in attendance. It also would not achieve the USL's chief priority of keeping play close to, uh, to home for its clubs. So they're saying that they they voted and they decided, okay, we'll we'll have it set uh, playing in the individual markets, you know, like, like it was normal. Uh, so they said. Um, the details of the competition format will be finalized in the next couple of weeks. So that hasn't been finalized yet. Uh, in April, the Athletic depo- uh, reported that the championship was look- had looked into splitting into its conferences into a divisional format. Regional splits would likely help with rescheduling, both to cut down on teams' travel costs, which y'all were mentioning, and streamline match arrangements. Sources also expect anywhere from 16 to 24 games to be final total with any pre-shutdown results from March likely to still be counted. Um, let me see. And that was approved by a 22 to 13 margin. Uh, they also indicated that all but two ML, uh, that's really not, not that important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says most teams are expected to be able to play in their own venues with only one notable exception. Teams that play in college campuses may have a difficulty in doing so as many rule, schools have their own strict rules against mass gatherings above 20 people. Uh, six clubs play in college venues, while a seventh, Oklahoma City Energy, plays at a high school venue owned by the Oklahoma City Public Schools District. And they're expe- the USL is expected to work with clubs to find a suitable uh, alternative alternate venues if they're unable to play at their usual homes. Um, they still don't know, and they say that they still don't know if they'll be allowing fans in the games. Uh, they mentioned, obviously, uh, Texas talking about 50% capacity. Um, and like I mentioned, the fact that they're saying that if you have some teams that will have fans and some that are not allowed to have fans, that will give them an unfair advantage uh, when it comes to home site, so, uh, home site support. Uh, but... At, at the end, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. You've only got four weeks. Yeah. You only have literally a month tomorrow, starting tomorrow, right? So 
you have you have to figure out what the schedule is going to be, how many games you're going to be playing. Are you going to be doing regional? Are you going to be doing divisional? What are you going to be doing? That still hasn't been ratified. Now, after you ratify, and I have to go into these cases, cases that they mentioned, like OKC Energy. Okay, can you play in the? Can you play in your stadium? No, we're not allowed. Okay, now you gotta have to try to find a, an an alternative an alternate venue that that will allow you to play and also be um, up to par and allowed by by USL. And you only have four weeks to do that. I think they're rushing thing. Uh, they're rushing these these things. Mm, well, the thing is, is that all of this has been already like part of the contingency whether Oklahoma City uh, has somewhere to play or not. I think they may have already found a solution, but I think they're just waiting uh, to get all those final signatures. Uh, Some of the other cases that you mentioned, uh, college stadiums. I'm looking at you, Timbers 2. I'm looking at you, San Diego Loyal. You two are the main suspects out west, okay? They play in college stadiums. Portland Timbers 2 can easily jump up to Providence Park in a closed-door environment if it if it is permissible. San Diego Loyal, on the other hand, they're the ones that are in a little bit of trouble. Well, good news for them. They're in San Diego, so they could probably move over and play at, and this is probably true as well, they could play at the Padres baseball stadium. That is a good possibility. Yes, but then but then they'd have to go and uh, negotiate with the Padres and then once they uh, they say okay, we'll let you play at the Padres. Obviously they've got to pay them money in order to use Padres stadium. Now they have to go and then also pay money in order to uh, actually modify the baseball stadium in a way that will act that, that they can accommodate the soccer field in the baseball stadium. So, like I said, those there's still a lot of questions that I f- yeah. feel like four weeks is not enough time to answer. Well, I you know the the four weeks is kind of like a soft uh, deadline there, but I'm pretty sure negotiate negotiations have been happening, Edson. So let's take that into consideration. Another possible venue for San Diego is the. Uh, Qualcomm Stadium, which is a lot like Universitario of the uh, Tigres, mm-hmm. where it's old, decrypt, and needs like a major overhaul. But they, uh, but it is a good soccer. It could be modified to a soccer specific if they uh, play nice with the city of San Diego. Mm-hmm. So there's also that. But just um, moving on, I mean, I I think we're we're in for. An interesting first two weeks. I think that's the most important thing right now. The first two weeks are the most important because I think that's where you're going to get uh, a chunk load of the information, whether we're going to have regional play, uh, divisional play, or let's see what we can hang our hats to. And whether they'll be playing twice a week or not. I think those are the important factors. Now I, I know I read somewhere I don't know if it was with under Jeff Reuter or Jeff Reuter's, uh, Twitter account or I don't know where I saw it, but 
and it leads with and it's talking he was talking about the USLPA right that uh, I think they they asked a member of the USLPA about you know the negotiations with the CBA um, and if they will be taking like a similar you know what I don't think it was Jeff Roy I think it was actually might have been uh, Nipun uh, Nipun. Might have been Nipun. Let me uh, let me double check. Cause I know he did interview. He interviewed somebody uh, from um, the USLPA, and they did. And they they mentioned a they mentioned a couple of no, uh, not it wasn't Nipun. It was Philip Grooms. Uh, Philip Grooms. Um, so basically, they here's here's a couple of points uh, on that before we move on to the next topic. Uh, so they asked them if they would do the same thing that USL pl- uh, or MLS players did regarding a, a uh, potential lock or holdout from training in order to force a CBA agreement. Uh, basically, what they're saying, is, uh, and it sounds so, it like their response is very Majordan-esque, like very, very, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, they say a lot of things, but like nothing, like nothing of value is said. But basically, they're like the U- Yeah, this the situation the MS, MLSPA and MLS was distinctly different from the situation that we have at USL. The USLPA views an agreement over a CVA as a vital step in continuing to stabilize and grow soccer in this country. Uh, details over a proposed return to play may affect elements of a future CVA. However, the core of any return to play agreement would coincide with getting our players back onto the field in a safe and responsible manner. Which they, mean, which probably means the USLPA wants assurances over their insurance in case someone contracts COVID-19. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably part of, quote, unquote, the core. You see, I, I think the players are playing it right for asking for what they want, which is their, of course, their salaries and their health insurances. Because let me just put it to you this way. Not every state is like having the um, workers' compensation uh, in effect. Mm -hmm. I mean, say if you set up a USL team in Louisiana, Guess what? The state's gonna ask you. You're gonna need um. You're gonna need workman's compensation, and it's pretty steep in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I know this for a fact because of my years of working in minor league sports. Uh, I've seen a lot of teams come and go from Louisiana, and it's uh, pretty much sad because I feel like Louisiana is a nice market now. You jump over to Texas where Toros are at, and you don't need to have workmen's compensation. They don't need to have anything like that, but yet the players are fighting for some of those core elements and values that they want for the USLPA. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of ties with the, set, with, the next, with the next question that uh, Philip asked them and basically they were saying that you're what, you, what you're saying and that is the fact that they want to be sure that if they do return to play that they that their focus is player safety and health uh when it comes to uh accepting any agreements to returning to play 
And then finally, before we move on to the next topic, they, uh, uh, he asked them, does the league need your permission to return to play? And this is a good question. Now. He says, the league has the authority to conduct business as they otherwise would and determine things uh, such as competition format and scheduling. However, there would need to be an agreement reached over any proposed return to play protocols, especially as it relates to player health and safety, given that these are elements that fall outside of the standard player contracts. You, you so know, Ray, you hit you hit you hit the nail right on the head. So in, in other words, I think I think the players are a little late on this CBA type deal for them. Mm-hmm. But something will need to be done in the in the next upcoming offseason to address this issue. So I think the players are a little bit cheated out for now, but now that they've kind of shown their hand a little bit with all this. I think the USOPA might be in a wee bit of trouble here. And my no, my question is like, so d- did the USOPA just? I don't want. I'm trying to remember what the term is here, but they like. Did they show their hands lazy. a little bit? No, I was gonna say they've been lazy for these past well, couple of months because well, it's been fifteen. Because it's been fifteen months. Since the USLPA was uh, out, was uh, accepted uh, by by the by the USL, right? Mm-hmm. So you had all this time to do through go to some negotiations. You're talking about now we've got technically about a season and a half where you've got negotiations going through, right? And you're still with now, but you're still without a CBA, and now you're trying to fight all this stuff like because of COVID-19, like a bunch of uh, things that, that could have been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's the, I, and I think they're, they may have already shot themselves a little bit in the foot by playing their hands absolutely wrong here. And, and I hope that uh, like, this is a gig, a giant stepping stone for both USL and USOPA to reach a agreement uh, during the off season. But let's mm-hmm. just hope that 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 is a big uh, giant stepping stone. Now I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm speaking out of ignorance from what I'm gonna say, but think about it this way. Okay, so you as the USLPA, as the Union for USL Players, you've got the leverage in order to be able to uh, negotiate player you know player salaries and stuff like that, right? Now you're coming into an issue where player salaries are going to be really important because one, they're, they're asking for a pay cut and, and, and stuff like that. Right. The owners for, are asking for a pay cut. Correct. Correct. But that has to do with, with the contracts, right? Mm-hmm. Because players are, they're saying, okay, why are you going to ask for pay cuts for when um, a lot of our players have lit, are, are being paid very little to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if you know as a US uh, as an association if you know that the wages aren't right why didn't you use this off season to be a little bit more robust in negotiate or or say or put more pressure in USL to have a more fair CEA why wait until you've got a pandemic on your hands well right? here's the, here's the thing when you're a young a young association or a young union 
an establishment. Uh, let's just say that these guys don't have the funding to have like a lawyer represent them. That's kind of a, a little bit a fault that they have here. Okay, because they should have gotten like an association of attorneys or a group of attorneys to help them uh, lit litigate and negotiate uh, these issues. Yeah, but because, that's but that's because a, every because every state has different laws for employment. Yeah, but that's but this is the this is the thing though, right? So and, if you and, don't if you as an, or, an organization you like are not reaching in an uh, an agreement for a CBA and the USL the USL and their owners, what are they going to benefit from? Okay, delay. Let's delay. An agreement to a CBA that'll make or well, that'll uh, force us to pay these players more. Let's try to delay it as much as we can. They've already delayed it in a year, and they're going to try to delay it another one, and they're going to try to delay it, delay it another one. And if the USLPA doesn't take matters into their own hands to pressure them to pressure the owner, say, "Hey, we want this CBA like uh, uh, agreed upon now. These are our terms, right?" And if you don't, I mean, you saw what MLSPA did, okay. You're not going to take our, 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 our health and all of this into your own hands? Fine. We're not, none of us are going to be practicing. And what happened? MLS, okay, 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 here. This is what, this is what, this is what we're offering. Okay, the MLSPA say, okay, that sounds good. All right, let's go ahead and do this. But what and, has the USLPA done? Though? No, nothing, but let me just add one more thing to what you just said. I, I just think that this CBA that the MLS signed, let's just say that there's not a lot of happy campers with this CBA right now. Let's just say, like, for the next CBA that there will be in the MLS, let's just say the players are going to take a little bit of a harder stance, and they're going to force the owner's hand a little bit more now. Now the players will have so much more leverage in the, M in the MLS. And right now, the USLPA is like, it's like the counter opposite at the, at, at this point. They're like, uh, they're showing their hands a little too early. They're showing their cards a little too early against these USL owners at this point. Don't get me wrong, guys. Don't get me wrong. It's a very difficult subject, but you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, where you're saying like, you're showing your, your hand, like, Already, which I agree, you know, you need to look out for your player safety, but you could have negotiated, you could have negotiated where things weren't as urgent as, uh, as, they, as they are now. So what's going to happen is like you want to play, right? The USL wants to go back and play this year, right? So you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of the things that you wanted for the CBA. You're probably going to have to sacrifice a couple of things because you know what we need this agreement or, or, or something like we need to make a quick agreement if we if we do if we do and, and at least for for this season there's gonna have to be at least this temporary cba at least for this season and then during the off season they're gonna have to sit down have a, a nice cup of uh, tea or adult beverage and try to uh, hammer this out like true gentlemen mm-hmm but let's go on to the next topic, please. Okay. Uh, so next topic, you know, we, uh, we talked about the potential of the USL returning. Uh, the fact that uh, in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott has announced that uh, 
outdoor sports stadiums uh, will be allowed to have a 50% capacity um, even th through this whole pandemic. Uh, and then also you've got uh, Golden Grape Entertainment about two, three weeks ago, more like three weeks ago, they released a, uh, a survey, a, survey. Yes, a fan a survey. survey, which I, I, I got one. I was happy to fill that out. No problem. And uh, so they filled out. So so they sent out a survey asking a couple of questions in regards to uh, how would uh, fans feel about uh, returning to play? How uh, how many you know getting up a lot of information. So four days ago, five four days ago, uh, they uh, actually released the results of this uh, of this survey uh, in an in an email. And uh, let's go. So let me go ahead and, and take that out. And because I know they sent out. Yeah, here it is. All right. So, uh, this is not the link. No, that's not the link. All right, so basically, another thing is they, they, they came out with this whole thing called the Toros Ticket Vac. You get 10 ticket vouchers for any future Toros match for 2020 and 2021, which includes two free raising uh, Canes box combos, but that is not what uh, we're here to talk about. Uh, but basically, Well, I mean, real quick, we can just quick, say, man. yeah, the Canes sound pretty good. <laughs> it does sound pretty good. Now I'm hungry. Thanks, guys. Uh, where was that link? It might be. Let me check the uh, RGBFC official website because I know I, I I I know they. Okay, I, I have it here in front of me. Okay. All right. All Take right. It away. So I'll read this uh, first sentence. So, a recent survey conducted by Golden Grape Entertainment found that 62% of uh, participants said that they were ready to attend events within 30 days of Bird Ogden Arena and HEB Park reopening. And then that number increased another 10% within 60 days. Mm -hmm. So basically the ratio was a 53 to 47 in favor of the male. And that group came from between the ages of 31 to 45 years old. So uh, that that was like the biggest uh, participation age, which was 35, uh, uh, thir 31 through 45. Mm -hmm. So um, and then some of the other um, responses were that they wanted to see uh, – Several hands sent, uh, they wanted to see uh, 79% uh, several hand sanitizer stations uh, throughout the venue and 65% that they would return to see employees use face masks and or shields. And that 62% said that it is important that employees go under wellness checks before the start of their working shift. Mm. So uh, there is, is that, so there's, um, there were 700, uh, surveys submitted just to give you an, a nice round number there. And 44%, mm. uh, answered between the ages of 31 through 45. It's just to give you, a globe perspective. So you would, so, I mean, I do think 700 is actually, I think it's a decent 
honestly, that's thinking a great about number. it, that's, that's a great, a great you number. Know, compared to you know, other, yeah. other places where I've worked at, and I've had to compile data personally myself. And and I think that and I think that that is a good. I'm trying to remember the the uh, statistical term for it, where where you have Ratio. like a. Yeah, or like you know where it's supposed to like represent uh, that number that's supposed to represent like a general idea of what the whole might think. Uh, I think that's that's a decent uh, seven hundred out of let's say you know four thousand that usually go to, uh, to the stadium you know consistently, right? Um, and it gets you a good feel. Now I do I I I really am surprised that twenty or that thir- the people that, that age group that answered this survey this questionnaire the most were 30 what did you say 31 to 45 yes sir that they 40, had almost half of them were 31 through 45 yeah that 308 people to be exact if we're basing these numbers out of 700 people 308 uh said uh that had like the highest uh percentage mm-hmm. i mean i could only imagine that the second highest would be anywhere from ages 21 through 30. Which would make sense, yeah. And, and, that, and that number has to be subjectively close between 30 and 40%. And then your third highest would be your, your groups of 45 and above. Like 45 to 64 around there? Yes, Yeah, don't you love to also live in a blue city as well? That's also the good part about getting all this is because, well, let's say we didn't live in this city or this city was completely different and we were hardcore Republicans. Those answers would be completely different. They'd say, oh, this stuff is a hoax. We just need to go back to regular lives. Let us all fit inside of a compact stadium without taking temperatures or anything like that, because this thing is a hoax. I think it's more, I don't think, I don't think it's, I think it's just a coincidence that, and we're getting into political waters here, uh, which I really uh, uh, didn't want to uh, touch upon, but anyways, um, but I think it's more of a coincidence that more Republicans tend to think that, but I think the bigger question here is ignorance. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just plain ignorance. Yeah. Uh, where people people that think that, that COVID nineteen is a hoax, um, it, it's just it's just plain ignorance, right? You know, we're yeah. we're seeing we're seeing it we're seeing it with our, with our eyes, right? And you might not think that you might not think that it's a, such a big deal, but I mean, going with what we've got, which is we don't have a vaccine, uh, we're still trying out and making sure and seeing if the tests that we have are are reliable. You know, in a large in a large number and a large scale, you know, we're still trying to go through. We're still trying to go through that. Yes, there are some there are some uh, uh, places where it didn't hit as hard, or the numbers didn't plat or rise as sharply as. It, but hey, what happened? What caused it to flatten the, the curve or not to rise slightly? The fact that we went through a a uh, quarantine for 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 uh, a specific number of time, right? That we opened up soon. That's that's up to everybody. That's up to anybody's discre- uh, discretion. But the the people the people who should know this obviously are going to be the people in the medical field, right? Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but based on that, that's where we're coming. Up, that's where we're coming up with with this uh, with these uh, plans to to open it up. Now, my biggest question here has got to be, and I touched upon it earlier in the in the episode. Okay, so we're going to be testing. So according to this this uh, survey, they're going to be wanting to test uh, employees. But what about fans? Yes. But what about fans though? Um. George, uh, Coach Echeverry touched up upon it in this interview we had uh, two weeks ago. Has it been really been two weeks ago? Or three a, weeks? a little. Yeah, it's been two, three uh, weeks. I think it was a month. Weeks, I think it was yeah. A, yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, okay, we open up the stadium, right? And a ball goes flying up on uh, up on, onto the field. We don't know if these, uh, if these fans have it or don't have it, or they have it and they're symptomatic, right? So... They're gonna. They might touch the ball and they're gonna throw it back. Now you've now you've put it. Uh, the the players at risk. Now you've put uh, coaching stuff at risk. Mm-hmm. Are Barble ball boys gonna be there, or they're gonna go with a with a uh, Bundesliga style where they'll yeah. just leave balls placed strategically around around the pitch? But there's so many questions in re, in regards to that uh, uh, about uh, testing. Like, are you going to do some wellness checks to the fans as well? Because okay. You're gonna do it to you're gonna do it to the employees, but what if the 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 customer that they that they're helping out is infected, right? Now they've now they've got some, now that you've put in, you put your own employees at risk, and if one of those employees gets at risk, now you've got to shut down the whole thing again, at least with concessions, and now they're gonna be not ha- being able to work again yeah. because somebody came out positive because of uh, contact with somebody that could have been that could have been positive as well. Like I said, there's so many questions left unanswered. Yeah. And it well, seems like nobody has a clear answer. Well, I I, th- I think the one factor that that isn't so much of a of a factor, but I call it the wow card. It's all depending on what the league says. If we play without fans, then you've got that wild card already taken out of your hands you've got that mm-hmm. joke card removed okay now if the usl says okay teams that have uh states open and ready to rock and roll and bring in fans okay then that becomes now you bring you bring that question in that's mm-hmm. but i think but i think the ultimate solution here are the uh is the league itself they're the ones who are supposed to answer this question fans or no fans and i'm gonna go ahead and play it here there's gonna be no fans but i hope there is media and i hope we do get checked yeah um there's there's still there's still that that zoom um and that that zoom alternative that i mentioned that you don't really like but no, uh, <laughs> but I think because, at the that, end of the- because then we because then I would have to run into uh, the issues that we had right before the show. True. Okay. I mean, I, I I get that point. All right. Not everybody has, you know, the equipment necessary to to run a a, a zoo like a zoom thing reliably, uh, or any or any of those factors. Yep. Now, if we if no fans but media. I, I would I would really enjoy that because I really want to go back to HB Park, uh, I, and I think I, the fact I and I think here's a, 
And I think the fact, sorry to interrupt, uh, you, Ray, uh, but I think the fact that now it's, you can pretty much uh, be assured that we are not going with a hub model. I think that really helps out that cause of, okay, we'll let the, we'll let the fans because, okay, let's be honest. Who really, who really goes as media other than us? And besides the people who work there. Right. So you, so you're limiting, if you do a lot of access to media, you're talking about just a small little number of additional people that you would have to test compared, like if they used to a hub model, now you've got people from everywhere, you know, coming in that you've got to test as well. You've already, with us, it's pretty much, you've got that little niche of people who consistently go and cover the team. And you know, it's, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. So in that aspect, I don't think we do need, we, I don't think we need a zoom call uh, alternative. You just got to just get a little, a bit of extra um, personnel to uh, check on, uh, on the people who, who are there in media before they're able to access uh, the, the uh, conference room or, or the weight room where, where we do the, uh, uh, the post game conferences. I think that I think that simplifies something a little bit more now that we know that there's no or, hub hub or, going to be involved, or even if they like open up a, a room for for press conferences. I mean, that may because that was something that before all of this started, like the M, the G League, mm-hmm. they had this uh, six feet uh, policy from from podiums to uh, see. Uh, to get our post-game interviews, and even uh, when COVID uh, struck, when I was able to interview Mr. Borrego. Mm-hmm. Now, I do know I do know that we do have a, we should have, I think, if I recall correctly, when they did the, uh, when I did the stadium uh, tour before it officially opened, I recall correctly that we do have a conference room we just never use, you know, for uh, post-game conferences. Yeah, so I've, yeah, I, I I don't even know what that looks like, and I'm like I'm like, okay. like I said, I'm trying to go off on the on uh, the basis of my memory. So, but I do recall the person who gave me the tour of the stadium did mention that they do have a uh, pre, uh, a press uh, conference room. Uh, are you ta- but, are you talking about HEB Park? Yes. Okay, that's news to me because I got toured with, of course, one of the season ticket um, people. Before, of course, the whole change a couple of years or last year, actually, I, mm-hmm. two years ago. Wow, it's been that long, actually. Two, two, literally two seasons ago, halfway through, we had a change of personnel. Then came Ronnie and JT, which shout out to them two pretty yes. awesome people. Yes, uh, love them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, wow. Uh, that's a did, did not did not know that. But real quick, got three things on this. One is UIL. You might want to hear this they're taking away the 20 to 1 staff to student ratio for this upcoming year and they are allowing indoor events to take place with people so that's pretty crazy same deal goes for outdoor events with people obviously that's why we had the graduations but now it's seeming more and more like yes on that side because we were in Texas, that's UIL, but that's something interesting to really just take a look at. It's so something that know. you feel that USL shouldn't should try to emulate. Well, I was, and then I was going to go off to my next point and say 
that to me is just a little crazy. They're not going to do any testing or anything like that to fans. And I'm almost positive because it's also a high school event. One thing that I would like to see at least them start off because NASCAR is starting to do this with the two races upcoming this Sunday. No joke. 1,000 fans are allowed inside. But guess who the fans are going to be? They're going to be from the, I believe, Air Force Base, not too far from Homestead Miami Speedway. So that's something that they're trying. And then if the following week in Talladega, they're going to allow 5,000 people. And most likely, if you live in Talladega, Alabama, you have an opportunity to most likely go to that race as well. You have a bigger chance, basically, of getting tickets. Mm-hmm. So why I bring all that up is because you have to, no matter what, even with the USL, yeah, the USL can say for startup for a couple of weeks, no fans in attendance anywhere. Maybe just a little bit of media, but no fans in attendance at all. Then you get into a couple more weeks. Then you start to allow just only family members to go as spectators. And then it gets bigger and bigger from that. So basically you uh, like a slow rollout. Yeah. You have to do a slow rollout. That's I think the only way that you could really get things settled and make sure that you have everything ready for when it can go back to almost full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the biggest takeaways here is that the fans would like some sort of uh, confirmation that there are steps being taken by Golden Grape Entertainment, HB Park, RGB Toros, as well, obviously, of course, Bird Octon Arena, that they're going to be taking some sanitary steps uh, if they do want to come back. Most of them would want to come back after 60 days. So you're probably talking about, uh, I guess, like you're going to be missing like most of the uh, the reduced schedule, maybe. Um, I mean, they... and, and here's another shot I'm calling right now. I think we'll have a 24-game schedule with divisional play. Again, just calling it, calling it out there. So we'll have 12 home dates. So... Uh, I would probably think that they would miss either half of the schedule mm-hmm. to at least sixty percent. Okay. So there's your so there's your definitive answer. On, on my, that's my prediction. Okay. This, not, this is yeah. nothing that I have in front of me or disclosed, but it's just something that uh, I just have a, a haunch feeling. So that way. Uh, teams can get like their full load of work because even at 16 okay fine but 24 is just to like get them through like if they had like a full uh slate of games Hmm. i think you might be on onto something especially if you couple it with a slow rollout like jacob was mentioning i think you might be that might be the best solution out of this uh just kind of get your feet wet and seeing okay how are we how are we reacting, you know, with 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 fans? Have they been, you know, kind of like, let's see how it works. Hopefully nobody gets infected. All right, let's bring in, let's bring in, bring in fans. Uh, and then make sure they don't get infected or because fans are at the, are present, somebody gets infected from the teams or anything like that. Now we know for sure that that is going, probably going to ax, you know, player interactions like, uh, usually a normal like getting autographs or anything like that 
kind of if uh, fans uh, are accepted. So fans are going to have to uh, keep that in mind that players will more than likely not be allowed to take photographs, not be allowed to do autographs or, ha or, or give out uh, shirts or anything or anything like that. And, so and, that's I'm, and I'm willing also to put some house money as to as the way that they're going to treat media for post game. They're I'm, I'm gonna I've I've called this the Concacaf treatment, where they'll make us enter through the north side on gate four, mm -hmm. and they're gonna make us go through the uh, north side uh, on gate four, and make us uh, enter and exit through through there. Uh, and to get post game interviews, we're gonna have to go like around the stadium, take a long walk, and go in through where the players entered through, like after their practice, and mm. into a conference room. That's just that's just a, a merely educated guess. Now I could be wrong, and if I am, go ahead. But that's just my purely educated guess. So Code Awesome mentions in the. Uh on the chat. And I do want to get his, his thoughts. If, uh, if you would like to share them, could awesome. Why 60 days? Why you chose 60 days? And I just want to get an idea as to, as to why, like, uh, your personal opinion, why you chose 60 days after, after opening. Um, so while, well, while it, it gives the, uh, for me, I think it would give the park staff an idea as to what they need to do, how they need to do it, it because if they go into it right off the shoot, then you're going to run into a lot of red light problems mm -hmm. that need to be unavoided. So that's why I'm going with the 60 days instead of the 30 to, to slow roll the process of allowing people in. That's why I'm, I'm going with the 60 days. You give the park staff enough time to train and to properly handle the situations that could arise. Now, Code Awesome does actually bring up a good, a good point, um, continuing on with the survey, and that has to do with being able to watch the game. He says, I would like to still be able to watch the games through Facebook or something. I think that was one of the options. Okay. Now, I believe, uh, take now, it away. I'll, 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 I'll take him up on, on, on that question as well. Uh, if he has Spectrum, ch uh, Channel 1240, for the home games in case there's like uh if there's no like uh allowed attendance mm -hmm. and of course if you're away well that's kind of an espn uh plus type s subscription my situation <laughs> <laughs> uh or if you have like rabbit ears like i do i i don't rely on espn three uh or plus i mean i i know blues fan was quite generous enough to offer his account, I, I appreciate mm -hmm. his generosity, but uh, but that's where I'm at, SOL on road games. But if you have rabbit ears like I do at home, uh, 5.2 KRGB, they'll they'll show the home games. If yeah, they, and and fights. it's basically this, and it's basically the ESPN feed. So you yes. would be getting you would be getting the the. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're just the home games that they pass, or, or uh, right. I believe last season they passed. There, it was just the home games, but it's the ESPN feed, so you would be getting you would be getting the the feed for free in the local market. And I feel and, and, like, and, it, and it's almost a good thing because since most games are on Saturday nights and Edson cover your ears right now, 
Thank God that they'll interfere with Somos Tigres. <laughs> no comment. That's twice. That's twice that you threw a jab at uh, at something Tigres related. But I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. But, I just um, have to say this. Look at how the mighty have fallen, aka Liga MX. Oh, that, oh, oh! Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Now they're trying to emulate MLS. I guess the t- the the turn the turntables, huh? Yeah. Um, UFC Mazatlan, Hewlett steals Charleston's battery cannons, Orlando <laughs> Pride's colors, and so many other Man, Man City's uh, design layout. Eh, it's ridiculous, man. Uh, um, but purple's it, marketing. <laughs> but so Code Austin, he mentioned. I know the stadium doesn't fill up, but I'm pretty sure if I went, a lot of fans wouldn't wear masks. Now that goes into another situation. Are you going yeah. to force st- uh, fans that do attend? Are you going to force them to a uh, wear mask? And you're, are you going to enforce that dress code? That's where we go into another question that I feel like Ron uh, has already, if, if not should, uh, be pondering uh, on a potential on a potential return. Will you be forcing the fans who attend to wear masks, or will they be, or will a sponsor kind of uh, take advantage of the situation. Okay, here's a mask giveaway. Uh, the first, the first match in. I, you know, I am gonna. You see, I'm gonna go educated once again. I'm gonna go with DHR sponsoring those masks. It's only fitting. It's only fitting. Yeah, or even the science pharmacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Very. I'm also part sponsors as, as well as the team. Yeah. I see six feet roll also playing a factor. That's a dead game. We're, we're not. Yeah, we're not getting a hundred percent right off the bat either way. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like I said I think it's a very good marketing opportunity for uh, either DHR or like you mentioned Science Pharmacy to have like oh the let's say for example we do go with a rollout right. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of games, no fans. They decide, okay, we'll put in some fans. Let's say, let's say fifteen hundred, right? It'd be a great opportunity for DHR. Is like, okay, for those that are going to go to this match, you're going to get a free mask. And then from there, not, and then, but before that, you're going to have to say, hey, you know what? Uh, from here on out, uh, as, as the season progresses, it, all fans must be wearing a mask while you're at the stadium, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then take advantage of that first game. But continue to enforce it, right? You know, yeah. uh, throughout. But like, is it, like, like I said, it's something that I feel like the front office, especially Ron Patel, uh, and of course local authorities, need to establish right away. So that way, by the when the time comes, we're not we're not caught uh, in an in an awkward situation, or with I guess if you want to put it colloquially, with your pants down. Yeah, right? and that yeah, and that's a hundred percent true as well as I have to get this off my chest, went to go out to eat not too long ago for the first time, or actually I'd been out to eat uh, for a good while. And, you know, staffs have normally been very good at wearing their masks up until a point where I went to a, a Mexican restaurant. I might not want to name the name. Oh wait, I will. Coco's uptown. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, they were terrible. Um, guy, they had staff wearing masks literally on their chin. They're Which protecting the their pur- chin. Defeats the purpose. Exactly. Maybe, and then you, yeah, you had some just wearing it on their chin. You had 
a lot not wearing it at, at all. Luckily, my our server was because it's, in all fairness, it's to protect you from other people because of talking. Mm-hmm. So that is a big thing as well as to protect other people from yourself just in case it's, it goes back and forth hand in hand. And also, of course, you know, wear gloves just in case because or wash your hands constantly because some of us have bad habits of biting our fingernails. And, you know, that has germs. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it just like, come on. So, yeah, that was very frustrating. And I would like to see that if possible, you could wear a mask or, of course, six feet rule or even 12 feet might be the job. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get some sort of, uh, like I said, I think that this episode has been like all of the topics that we talked about so far has been filled with more questions and answers. And the, ne- the next four days or the next four weeks are going to be key. I, I, and- I think actually, Edson, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you there. I say that we are in for the most interesting two weeks of USL Q&A at this point when it mm-hmm. comes to the the league topics that we touched upon today and hopefully that the answers can be uh, given out soon. That's just, again, educated guess, but I think the first two weeks will lay a lot of foundations as to what will happen with the season. Here's hoping that way next time we go live, we've got some answers. Because yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's been news. Uh, thank you, Jeff Reuter, uh, Jeff Reuter and uh, The Athletic. Thankfully, there's been news so far about what's been going on you know, and, with and, USL. And I'll, give, and I'll give these three guys major props for covering the USL professionally. I'll lead it off with Jeff Reuter, Nipun Chopra, and the uh, other gentleman that which you brought Sam, up. Sam, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But Sam, also from The Athletic, I believe. Okay, well, Sam from the Athletic. Uh, they've they've been doing a very very wonderful job. I would love in the future to, to have them on Je- either Jeff or Nipun. To, to I know him. I know Jeff was with uh, the unused yeah, substitute. I, I know he's been ju- jumping in on a lot of USL podcasts. So, uh, I th- I think uh, he would be a very good future guest. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do for, for two weeks from now. Did, did you uh, lose power in the back? Say again? I think you may have lost power in the background. I, I, oh, I, no. It's just that it's uh, it's the sunset. Oh. And I, 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 didn't, turn on the, I didn't turn on the light uh, in my room. I should have. Like, holy smokes. Like, oh, yeah. no. You're, you're going no, to. No, no, no. It's been. It, no. Uh, surpri- surprisingly, it wasn't stormy here in Houston. So. Uh, it's actually been a beautiful sunny day. So anyway, uh, final final topic, and I'm just kind of kind of gloss over it uh, before I do want to go into kind of like this whole outside of soccer topic just to uh, wrap up this episode. Um, so because of the fact that the USL has announced a, re- a potential return to play date, uh, the EUSL Cup, uh, the USL E Cup uh, FIFA 20 edition. Uh, was terminated. Uh, RGVSC was declared the champion, uh, beating uh, in, in as far as point in the point system. Defeated uh, um, New York Red Bulls two and Mike LaBelle, 
by the way, salt, uh, he was super salty the day he he lost against uh, uh against uh, Luis. Uh, no, uh, Juan. Juan, yeah. Juan Chavez, who, by the way, if he got, I know last, I know last time I was like, well, who is him? Well, Juan Chavez, the 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 player who represented the Toros, uh, the last week. He was a part of the Down in the Valley FIFA 20 tournament. He was the winner of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So it's just awesome. It's just awesome seeing like seeing him like humiliate. He didn't just beat him. He humiliated Mike LaBelle in his like in his own stream. Like I was watching his stream. He was saltier than the freaking Dead Sea, man. <laughs> it was just hilarious. But uh, but yeah, so the RGB Toros are the are the USL uh, E Cup champions. Uh, Congrats to Kibato and yes, and, and Juan Chavez. Uh, it'd be awesome uh, to have like a pixelated star over a crest, <laughs> just like a, <laughs> uh, at least for like a for Minecraft e-sports. type of thing. Right, right. I yeah. think I, I think that'd be pretty awesome. But anyways, um, you know, Edson, I'll, I'll ask I'll ask you this just briefly. Uh, since I haven't had a full chance to read the Jeff Reuter article about the results of the survey that he took for the fans, I'm just That's curious. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to ask, where did the uh, game development finish uh, in topics of importance for the USL? Oh, it, very down, actually. Wow. You're talking about, wait, are you talking about the whole FIFA thing? Yeah, like whether FIFA should pick up their license or PES. It like was, give, it was give, kind of in the middle. I, I actually got, I got to see it last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was like, yeah, I guess, yeah, it was a little bit lower, but for sure, yeah, and that's totally understandable considering where FIFA and even PES are at the moment. Just because well, of you know, EA. I, I think Pez is like needing licenses. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's dropping on them like in all a right. hurry. Yeah. So all right. So these were the results, right? Uh, of the of the survey. So eighty-one point two percent of those surveyed, and you're talking about a thousand one hundred and three people answered this survey. That's a lot. So eighty-one point two said they do live in a USL market. Eighty point eight percent said that uh they their usl club is in the usl championship um this one was the one that was that i found really interesting so they asked if they watch usl matches that don't involve your team um once or more a week uh yes once or more a week was 28.8 percent yes every few weeks 9.9 34.4 said they only watch other teams whenever they're nationally televised and then twenty six point nine said no, but here is the here's the bread and butter that you wanted to talk about, uh, Ray. So dealing with COVID nineteen, forty three point eight said that they would like to go to go to uh, and attend a game if fans were allowed, but they'd be cautious about their safety. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all about uh, expansion, which don't really need to talk about. They talked about women's league, right? Uh, 64.6 said they would like for it to be a lower league system 
for the USL. Um, 55.6, regarding women's matches, 55.6 of those surveyed w- said that they would attend several matches of the women's uh, club yeah. of, of, their, of the USL. Yeah, and I would have to say that also the Toros would be in a great place for that. Why I'd say that is because the academy, guess what? They kind of took away a couple of those Eastern Dynamo academies as well down at the RGV. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them have also been able to play with with like Toros academies and that school is actually pretty successful. But of course you just need coaches and things like that. But it's at a good size to where, guess what? You can actually have a little bit of momentum as in players going in and out. Yes, of course, they're very young at the moment. It does take years and years. But guess what? That is a perfect start. And then, of course, you just need yourself a senior team. And that can continue going on. I mean, you're pl- instead of going to college, you're playing pro-level soccer already. That's a perfect opportunity for them, in my opinion. It's the same thing which went to NWSL, but as we all know, the, they just need a lot of help. If the USL does do a women's league and the Toros do uh, launch a team, I just hope that it's not a partnership with anybody, in like a direct partnership yeah. uh, like we have with the Dynamo. Yes, you can have like a partnership, but like, okay, I'll send you some, I'll like, I'll send you some players. Uh, like, yeah, very But just on hybrid. a short-term loan, like a yeah. short-term yeah. loan, like, I can scan it to you for one or two games and and then come back but like for a whole where the the nwsl team in this case the dash let's say to put an example the dash control the technical aspects of this team we don't want that anymore yeah we know what i would like to see is what i would like to see is something that would allow rgb to have its own team and not have any type of affiliation open cup we want open cup for starters yes open cup too uh, all right, so here's the bread and butter that Ray uh, wanted. So uh, this was these were ranked uh, questions, right? Like you rank it in, of from most important to least important, right? Uh, Ten being most important, or no, eight being most important, uh, one being least important, right? So stadium upgrades, like, was the biggest priority that fans felt the USL needed to address, right? That got a 6.7 average priority score, right? Which I definitely agree. And we talked about it last time we, 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 we had a show. And that is the fact that you've got the USL, before they talk about CONCACAF, they have to deal with getting teams like El Paso, like uh, Las Vegas, like New Mexico. You got to get them in, in stadiums that are as close to soccer specific as, as possible and not in baseball stadiums. It's ridiculous, right? How bad the baseball stadiums are, right? So here's the kicker. And I know you're going to hate this. I know you're going to hate this, Jacob. But second place, ProRail, 6.2 yeah, no, priority. Yeah, exactly. Once again, heard it last night. Still hate it today. I didn't wake up and change my mind completely. Yeah, no, <laughs> I just, it, yeah, it's so... It's like because it goes back to that. Actually, the first thing that you said, they definitely before I think you can even remotely think about pro rel 
you have to have every team with just a decent stadium. At least, at least stable. We don't want yes. more. We don't want more cases like uh, exactly. Fresno. Not yeah, not a case like Fresno. Not a case even like we mentioned them early on in the show. Oklahoma City. They're playing at a high school stadium. Mm-hmm. Let's not have that. How about let's make yourself maybe maybe buy some land. Here, hear me out here. Buy some land. And just make it, you know, a tiny little three. I'd say limit would be five thousand at least five thousand. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just barely the um, uh, the USSF uh, D two requirement right there, at least five thousand. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then, in third place, you have academies, like establishing uh, USL academies, mm-hmm. and you've got expand League One. Uh, should be the fourth priority. Then fifth actually was move MLS two teams to League One. Not happening with Boros. I'd be fine with that. I'd, I'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. Like, but like I mentioned two weeks ago, as long as those it's teams that are not uh, Real Monarchs and Air Ripples two, because those actually actually yeah that, play to compete. Yeah. I forgot about that whole conversation as well. Yes. So back to no, <laughs> back to no for me. Uh, all right, and then sixth was USL and FIFA or PES, only with a five point three average priority. Awarded CCL birth and a second to last five point oh yeah. uh, priority, and uh, women's league be- actually came in dead last with only a four point eight priority. Oh wow! But you got But here, here's the thing, though, and it, it makes sense. We know that they're going to support a women's league, right? But yeah. right now, the men's USL league is still not as stable as people or as the, organ- yeah. or as the league thinks it is, right? It's not as stable as they think they are. Yeah. You've, uh, with all of these different issues that, that you've got, now you've got this whole thing about ex- uh, are you over-expanding as well? Yeah. So yeah, fix I- your issues first and then think about expanding to uh to the women's side yeah yeah i i brought that question up with uh, ron patel sometime back uh, and he goes you know uh, there's gonna be a point where we're gonna have to kind of not take the footsteps of the mls but kind of like uh cut the number of championship teams we have and then eventually focus on the uh growth of league one and you're starting to see little by little some of these League One teams uh, set up a shop, like in the Northeast. Uh, uh, I want to say uh, uh, Portland, Maine, is mm-hmm. one of those markets. So little by little, they're they're going to be growing in, in in League One terms. That would be a pretty crazy place to have a team, Portland, Maine. I've heard it's gorgeous there, and also it's freezing in the summertime. So, yeah, that would be a fun place to watch a game, actually, in my opinion. Yeah. Just a little footnote. I was actually surprised that because you know how they asked, asked in the in the uh, questionnaire uh, about any markets that you feel uh, should have a USL League one team. I was surprised that Laredo was not one of those. 
or like there are very few people uh, mention Laredo. Let me tell you something. Laredo's on the rise, guys. We have to keep an eye out for Laredo for sure. Yeah, but, well, why don't yeah. you just say a, a send a send a bouquet of roses to your boy Teclo? <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, yes, I think they are making a little bit of headway. But for sure, they get a lot of help with the government, if I'm not mistaken, too. Only did you. <laughs> so I think we're we're gonna go ahead and uh, end this uh, episode right here, uh, guys. Uh, I'm gonna start with you, Jacob. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, final thoughts. Let's see here. USL. We you better have some answers by Monday. Basically, by the end of Monday, you better have some answers for sure. But yeah, in all seriousness, hopefully everything kicks off perfectly on. July 11th, a little bit of, yeah, bumping the road should not happen. You've had plenty of time to think about this throughout the whole pandemic. And when you would most likely get things rolling back. And, of course, a pretty cool thing real quick, watching the NASCAR race a little bit. And just want to say... I'm glad to see that Bubba Wallace took a stand big time and NASCAR followed because that was huge on their part. Most likely, or actually, there's going to be no Confederate flags ever again seen at a NASCAR Cup race or any NASCAR-affiliated race at all. So that is a huge step, and things like that are getting... Well, there people think that it's not being talked about still. Oh, we're definitely... They're definitely still fighting for it. Ray, final thoughts. Hashtag Jacob wants free pickles, fried pickles from Hooters. Uh, no, but uh, Jacob, uh, just touching up on your point about wanting information from the USL, I think Monday would be a little far-fetched. But like I said, we're going to be in for an interesting two-week layout. Yeah, We're going to be in for an interesting two-week layout. Uh, because first you're going to see the amount of games, and then you'll see uh, if there's regional play first, and then the amount of games that are going to be played, and then whether they are going to allow fans. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of uh, uh, the approach that you, you kind of have to take this USL information. And for everyone who tuned in, thank you so much, Edson. Once again, th- thank you. Anytime, man. Like I said, doors are always open. Where we have these, when we have these uh, discussions that deal with the with the league, with the league as a whole, and as well as Toro's talk. Um, uh, so be sure to follow. Be sure to follow uh, Ray's uh, YouTube account, uh, South Texas Border Sports. You can also check him out on Twitter at uh, SOTX Athletics. And by the way, I'll just give a quick uh, little promo here about my podcast. Episode five is now up. On Anchor FM, you could find my podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and now just recently launched on Apple iTunes as well. Mm. If you haven't heard, I've had uh, five podcasts. I touch on a different variety of sports. I uh, don't discriminate on, on, on sports topics. So if you want to drop a line, go ahead. On my Anchor FM, there's a little link there on anchor fm forward slash stbs just hit the message link send me a message 
and I'll try to book you in uh, as much as I can. But I've got the next three week three weeks already booked. But feel free to drop a drop a line. Feel free to listen in on any of our episodes and and I uh, highly thank you guys for that. Of course, anytime. Now I do want to give my final thoughts um, before and before we take off, and it's this. It's a serious matter matter that Jacob you touched upon when you talked about NASCAR right now, but I, I think I think it's needed. It's something that I've really that I really wanted to say. Um, but basically, I'm disappointed. I, I'm honestly disappointed at how the Toros handled the situation. Oh yeah, yeah. I I expected more. I expected more from the team. I expected them to be a lot more uh, proactive rather than reactive especially with the fact that they put up and subsequently deleted posts that came out as tone deaf or that a lot of people that reached out to me on Twitter and other uh, platforms mentioned were a bit tone deaf uh, through the current situation. It took them three days after the after things were, were, were starting to, to get uh, a little bit more uh, attention with, with regards to the protests, with regards to George Floyd, with regards to Black Lives Matter. And um, it took them a day after Blackout Tuesday, which was on last Wednesday, to put out a picture that came out a little bit tone deaf, deleted, and then finally taken a stance against racism and the situation at hand. The players, two days before, or the day before, I think it was two days before, took a definitive stance and RGB kind of left, left them out to dry. No retweet, no nothing. Why I mention this is because on our team, we have a couple of players that are very proactive when it comes to social issues, including Ben Willis and yeah. Robert Castellanos, who's been pretty vocal about Black Lives Matter. Not just him, as well as uh, Kyle. And Kyle with, with the Dynamo. But what I'm getting at here is these players... What were they going to think about the organization? Oh, they don't care about social matters. They're going to leave me out to drive something were to happen uh, to me in regards to this issue. And more, a lot of players are going to take this into consideration and say, well, I don't want to sign for the Toros because they're not, they, they're not act, they're not, they say they're active in the community. But, when, but when it comes to the the when it comes to when matters when it really matters, they don't take a definitive stance. They write it out. They write the fence. They don't want to take a definitive stance in, in fear that they alienate some of their followers. They were alienating. A, they were still alienating a lot of followers because they didn't take a stand. Right. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate that they do, they decided to take a stand. Why did it take this long? Why did they not? Why did they run around the idea of Black Lives Matter? Right. 
Is it because you want to you don't want to lose followers? At this point, it shouldn't matter because this goes f- way beyond sports. This is something that is affecting our communities. This is something while people say, "Oh, it doesn't happen in the valley," because I've seen comments and I'm now I'm getting bad, but I've seen a lot of comments saying, "Oh, there's no racism in the valley." Oh, that's something that that's something that happens up north. The guy with the chainsaw in downtown McAllen, don't let them don't let them lie to you. Blah, blah, blah. You know how much bullshit that sounds? You know how much racism has been in the valley as well through it throughout uh, throughout its history? Yeah. Let's not go let's not go far away. Edinburgh, in its original inception, was a white-only community. And they only accepted Mexicans because it was cheap labor. You don't believe me? Check out the article that was posted, I believe, by the monitor. No, KRGB posted that article because it's something that's in the South Texas uh, Museum of, uh, uh, of History. So don't say... That there's no racism in the valley, or that racism, or, or that this idea of police brutality does not affect the Latino community in the Rio Grande yes. Valley. And we are, not, and you might say, well, because of the riots, or because of this, or because of that, I don't support that. Last time I checked, what we're asking for was equal treatment, no, regardless of what race, and police accountability. And if you find any little issue to say, oh, I don't support that anymore, then you were, you were never, you were never, uh, you never supported that, that message to begin with. Now, what I'm getting at here regards to RGV is you have to be a lot more proactive than, than, what, you, than what you showed. You have, to, you, have to take, you have to take a definitive stance to say, we don't want, we don't want this. We are working with the community. We want our community to wake up with this situation that, that, that affects the community in general, that affects the soccer community in general. Because how many times did we see in MLS neo-Nazi uh, emblems and signs like in New York City FC? It's 2020. We're still seeing all, a lot of these. Yeah. And NYCNC, they never took a definitive stance. MLS never took a definitive stance. In fact, they did not allow anti-fascist uh, uh, insignias to be displayed any, anywhere in, uh, in MLS stadiums, but they did nothing to, to, to handle neo-Nazism. Like I posted on Twitter, I'm, at least the Toros took a stance, but we cannot settle with just crumbs. RGV could have handled this better. And I'm going and like and like we mentioned since the beginning, this podcast was never meant to coddle up to the team. While the last couple of weeks we've seen tremendous change from the organization in a lot of aspects. If we see something that we don't like, we're still going to call you out. Okay? Understood. Right? This doesn't mean that we. This doesn't mean that we are going to bash. That we are going to uh, hate the club. 
What we want is for you to understand that people were not happy with how this was handled. And I feel like it's our responsibility to use our platform to yeah. display the sentiment of the fans to the club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that, Jacob, you might have some viewpoints that are different from what I just said. Ray, you might have some differences in the extreme uh, or the uh, the spectrum of how uh, vocal to be about these social issues. But I feel like unanimously, we were let down by how, by how RGV handled this situation. So I hope that next time we have a community distress or a community situation that needs to lead to a, for, for a call to action by the club, they need to tackle, and I literally need to tackle the, the, the bull by its horns and take a definitive, uh, take a definitive stance. At least, I'm going to say this, at least support the players that are taking a stand. Don't leave, them, don't leave them hanging out to dry until like two, three days later. And only after you saw that there was some sort of pressure from both outside and within. And that's, those, are, those are my final thoughts for today. Guys, Jacob, Ray, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I appreciate y'all, y'all coming on like y'all, like y'all always do every time we do have a show. I appreciate everybody that's, um, that's watched us today. Guys, if you're listening to this via the podcast, we try to go live. Right now through COVID, we're going live every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. Those off weeks... We do have a uh, an interview happening uh, that, that we do upload. Uh, last week we had Robert Coronado. I'm still de- I'm still trying to figure out who I want to get for next week. But once I reach that that decision, I will let y'all know through our social media. So follow us on Twitter at Down in the RGB, Facebook Down in the RGB, and on Instagram at Down in the RGB uh, as well. Don't forget that our podcast is on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. And um, that's those are those are my last thoughts. I hope to see you all in two weeks from now. I'm like Ray and uh, Jacob said. Hopefully, we have a lot more answers uh, come uh, the next when the next show happens. See each other the next time. Take care.